Hello. This is How to Be Unpopular podcast number... Not sure what number. I definitely know there hasn't been as many of them this year, though. But I'm here. I'm doing it. Gonna do it up big. I have a bunch of notes written down. Probably too many. Uh, It's confusing the way that I've organized them. But we're gonna do it. We're gonna do it up big. So... I have the title of this is podcast about not podcasting. And uh, there was a weird point just in the last few months, maybe, where um, like at work, I talk a lot or I have to talk a lot sometimes and I have to listen to people talk a lot. And then I walk to work an hour to work every day and a lot of the times an hour home and I listen to podcasts and then I get to work and I listen to people talk and then I have to talk and I've been listening to people talk while I walk to work and then there's more talking and then there's emails so I'm imagining people talk in the emails and I have to talk through email form and then I'll be like posting comments or things and then I just there's a lot of talking and then on the way home I would listen to more talking because there's so many good podcasts that that are out that are available um, what do I got? I got more into Mark Marin than um, Rogan or Trussell. Pete Holmes has some okay podcasts, like if the guests are good, but he laughs way too much. He's too laughy, but I guess I am too. Maybe I'm just seeing something in myself that's annoying. But the point is, I am tired of talking, and I'm tired of listening to talking. It got to the point where... Um, I'm not, I'm not super social to begin with, so I just didn't, I didn't feel like talking. It's not that I went mute or anything, I just, uh, I liked thinking more than talking, and um, I also started to enjoy music more because I was listening to so many podcasts. It was almost like my brain was just fatigued. There would be points at work where I would be talking out loud and I wouldn't be thinking. I'd just be kind of like filling space with words. I'm bad already with that. But like I I would see somebody's face just not following me. And if I just would have taken an extra little bit of time to think of an answer or be quiet for a little bit and then say something... Maybe it would have been better, but yeah, just that idea. If you've ever, um, if you've ever been talking to somebody and you're not actually thinking about what you're talking about, I want to think more and talk less and listen when it's important. But um, I was listening to so much talking and having to talk too much that my thinking skills and my time that I dedicated to thinking. Um, started to suffer because like you don't have to have your headphones in when you walk to work and be listening to a podcast. I found that when I listened to music or uh, when I spent more time alone and not not giving in to distractions as much, um, more awesome stuff pops up if you're thinking more and you're not listening to talking or thinking of talking. So that's why I haven't been podcasting. And then I'm going to be not podcasting. I don't know. Maybe I'll come for as a guest on the podcast. Maybe that's like the loophole. 
into podcasting, but I think just for a long time, unless some amazing guest comes through, I'm going to be taking an extended break from podcasting. I want to skate more. Lucy. Lucy. Quiet. Hurry. I want to skate more, uh, which I've been doing. I want to make more edits, which I've been doing. I definitely want to do more writing for the website. And just, I want to compile better thoughts on skating and um, do more with skating than just talk about skating. I want to, yeah, I want to, I want to, I want, I don't know, I want article, I want to write about it, or even if I'm not that great of a writer, and I definitely want to make a lot of edits and skate a lot and do a lot of like nerdy experimentation with setups and everything, which I have been doing and I'll go into. So that's that. I'm not going to podcast for a while because I'm tired of talking and I'm tired of listening. I'm not tired to the point where I'm giving up on talking and listening. I just want to retract a little bit and hopefully emerge in the future with more to say. And also, skating's at such a good point right now. Um, There's a lot of stuff that we joked about on the podcast since the beginning of the podcast, joking about industry stuff and aggressive skating and, and, all, and all that stuff. And I, there's not really anything more to say. Um, there's, it's been like a slightly dark time from some perspectives for skating, but in my opinion, it's the most exciting time ever in rollerblading. The, the fact that like, I don't even know, Tom and I were having this conversation. We were like, does anybody actually get paid to skate? We were trying to think about it. And, um, like apart from if you teach skating to kids or if you do some kind of a show, for skating, like maybe there's some travel for skating, but it's always involved to do with like creating edits to sell the product. But like, I'm talking like, like a, like a monthly paycheck. I wonder how many people (laughs) get paid to skate. So it's crazy to think of like the amount of amazing skating that's coming out, the diversity of styles of skating that's happening. Um, the product experimentation that's happening, it's just really good. And for me personally, I'm finally kind of figuring out, thanks to skiing, I know I post a lot of skiing stuff, but that is honestly where I get most of my inspiration these days. There's amazing skating edits that come out as well, like uh, that Dirtbox one, um, the Scott Blackmore recently was really good and that it's definitely like I'll never be able to do any of this but that Eugene Eugen and in the you know his name that one was really good from just a technical perspective and it's so cool to know how different the Dirtbox one is to the USD one um and it's so it's so fun right now like there was a point where like in the early 2000s when a lot of these skate parks were being built in like around British Columbia, I was really into skating and I loved doing it and I loved going to skate parks and I loved filming. 
but it was really funny to think about. I didn't actually know how to use a skate park. It, it was still very primitive, the way that I skated and the way that I looked at skating. And now, like, it's so fun to go to a park and have such, like, a foundation of, of uh, stuff to do on all the different objects at the park, especially growing up in a small place like Kamloops and doing some things like skating those meridians or skating the old park all the time. You go to a, like, slightly better skate park, and it is it's so fun to have stuff to apply so skating is just like it's opened up not only in in the way that I look at it but I guess skill wise I've learned more by skating like the limitations of of doing big wheels but then I'll go back to aggressives and I'll realize I'm better at doing grinds and things because of skating big wheels a lot so skating is just so fun I wish I could do it more but uh, it's getting to that point I was on like a really solid two, three, four times skating a week while there was lots of light because you could get up at like five o'clock in the morning before work, drive to the park, skate for a bit, or even more light at nighttime. And now it's getting to the point where it's, you can't, uh, it's hard to skate before work. If I, if I get extra time off in the morning, then I'll be able to skate, but there's not enough light. Um, The best part about skating right now is that the act of skating hasn't changed at all. Like my relationship to it, that original feeling of trying rollerblades for the first time at Chushwap Lake in the parking lot, which thankfully I have a picture of that like feeling of, it was the feeling of, of having uh, skates on like hockey, but I didn't have to play a game. I wasn't holding a stick and you could just skate anywhere where concrete was. I'll never forget. It was like, that was the original feeling that got me hooked. Like using rollerblades was amazing. You could do it by yourself in anywhere where there was concrete. And I hadn't even, I didn't know about tricks, but I did jump. I was jumping like into the grass right away. Hey, quiet, quiet, relax. Um, so my relationship to skating has stayed the same the whole way through. I've had never really taken any extended hiatuses. The only time that skating's been dark for me, Hank, Hank, relax, buddy. The only time where skating's got dark for me is where I was expecting uh, too much from it, or I, there, there's this documentary about the band Love and, and uh, a guy at the start, um, I think the lead singer of the band Love, who turned out to be an alcoholic, or maybe another dude, maybe like the bassist or guitar player, I can't remember who it was. See, this is why talking out loud is can be tough, because there could have been someone just watching me go through that process right there. But there's a quote in that documentary, it's a really good documentary, on the band Love, I can't remember the name of it, um, again, sidetrack where he says uh, music is a gift and if you don't respect it it will leave you and skate that's happened with skating 
And even though skating's left me, I would, I would still continue to do it and go through phases where I felt like I sucked or it, it was just like this feeling of losing a connection with it. And it was like I over-identified with filming skating and being a filmer. I was a filmer and I was making videos and then my relationship to skating got shitty and as a result by not respecting the original act of skating that I discovered in a parking lot so 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 many years ago the skates were rentals at Chuchwap Lake and I was young like grade six or something like that I'm young in the photo yeah the the stupid like we're making a rollerblading video and I film rollerblading and then I would just suck at skating and then it would be like I would film other people and then it would be like okay I need to I'll try and get a trick and it wouldn't even be it wouldn't even have a foundation of I'm enjoying my skates right now um I'm flowing I'm having a really good time there's some stuff that's just so fucking obvious that I'm just trying to get a trick on film because that's what I thought we were doing, you know? And now it's like, filming is still a part of skating. Todd and I are camera skaters big time, but the accessibility into that original feeling of skating is easier now that there's so many setups to experiment with. Like, it's so funny to think that we thought 80 millimeter rockered was like, this is it. This is the answer. And then you try 90 millimeter with less of a severe rocker and then it's like, oh, this is it. This is it. Oh, maybe, uh, maybe it could be a hundred. And then you try a hundred. Oh, like at first it's like, ah, might be too limiting. Might be too limiting. And then you get used to a hundred. And then for me, hundreds have completely changed. Hundreds and watching ski videos have been like, okay, I was... I had no idea about this other side of skating that was possible. And then there's things that you were thought were limitations turned out to be the things that allow you to go in a new direction. And then you, and then Leon makes hundred tens and then it's like, well, maybe like good stuff happens in the one tens, but is is it too tall? The length is perfect, but could it, could you do hundreds and then have a groove in the middle and space the wheels out? And then, oh, but UFS wouldn't work. And there's this whole idea of, um, like, yeah, the connection to the act of skating being fun will, it has remained the same, but it's so amazing that now there's this opening of, like, okay, well, now, like, what can we skate? Can we mix a big wheel setup with a grinding setup? And then you, yeah, like I said, you go back, from skating hundreds to um, a, a pair of aggressive skates and a good flat setup, and then you're like, holy shit, I'm better at grinding now because my technique from big wheels, like pushing less and using my edges certain ways. Uh, yeah, just, I'm having more fun skating than I ever have, and I wanna do a lot of it, and I wanna film a lot. But that um, having a good setup allows you to tap into that feeling of, uh, how fun skating was for the first time. And big wheels was really important for that. Um, and now like a good, a good grinding setup has now reconnected me to my love of like aggressive skating, like, uh, like 
like the importance of doing a nice topsail or floating a full speed backside in a bowl. Just the, the simple things that I always love to see on video. Um, I'm reconnecting with those two. But the thing that's a complete mind fuck is that I want so badly to have both and it's not possible yet and I have to be patient, which is fine. I just have to, there's days where I'm gonna be skating two setups, which I never thought would happen. But, and word of advice, always skate your small wheel setup like your grinding setup first if you go to a park and then put on your big wheel setup. And make sure to skate the, like don't, don't skate the grinding setup. If you have a certain amount of time, don't skate one for too small of time. Make sure you give both enough time because it's awesome what opens up if you've been skating a grinding setup. Um, you see the park in one way and then you put on your bigger wheel setup with longer frames and then you see the park in a completely new way. And oh man, if you get to combine those two, that's when it's going to get really good. That is like, I'm convinced now, that's, that's my shit. I want to be on like 100 millimeter wheels on a frame probably as long as the 110 Wizards, but I want to be able to float. I want to do sole grinds. I want to be able to float a backside in a bowl. Um, I want to combine wheel slides with grinds. I want to do it all. And I don't want to, I, I want it to be invented before I'm at least 35 because I'm 33 right now. The body still feels really good. And I want to do like some amazing skating into my 40s with this new setup that it's not even rollerblading anymore, but it came from rollerblading. And I bet it's not even going to be UFS. That's a whole other thing though. Um, so yeah, my relationship with skating has, it's always been the same. Just the boots and the wheel sizes and the frames have changed, but it's what combination of those things connects you the most to that, that path of that feeling of first trying skates. It's like, what is your quickest connection into holy fuck skating is fun. That's what's happening right now for me. Some days it's going to be, if I'm just <clears throat> skating, skating on a path by the river, Sometimes that's 80s, slightly rocker, not super rocker. They don't have to be. If you're just doing like hockey strides and you're getting exercise, you can do 80s. If you're going a super long distance on flat, then you could use like racing or speed skates. Um, the Wizards, surprisingly, that they work for that too. Like I use my Wizards for just skating, just skating and listening to music, like exercise blading. Some days at the park, I take my aggressives. Uh, my favorite right now is big wheels, 100 millimeter, 100 millimeter, the Wizards on the Seva boot with the Intuition is probably my favorite, but it also works really well in the K2 boot, so I switch back and forth, but I love, um, the K2 has a centered frame alignment and the Seba, the back, the back of the frame is slightly in, like the rims, so they're, they're a different feel. Um, I even tried like gutting one of the new K2s to put the intuition in. I still need to test that out. But anyways, it didn't like work perfectly because the heel fits so, the heel cup is so nice and tight on your foot in K2 and the heel cup in the CJ is, there's a little bit more space there. And 
Leon's making, there's the new intuitions coming up. It's just like the best, it's just, I can't remember ever being this excited about skating since I first, like first, when you first get rollerblades, like you get your first pair of rec skates and all you want to do is use them, especially like in new terrain where there's like different types of pavement or, um, I, yeah, I just remember different terrain when I had rec skates was really exciting. And then you get your first pair of aggressives. And I've told the story where I was still playing rep hockey and, and I was like just staring at the scoreboard waiting for the game to end because I had my pair of tarmacs waiting in the car and all I could think about was like, is there shit around the arena that I could skate on? And then I, you know, combining that with video, it was all over. It was all over after that. Combining, doing tricks on rollerblades, filming it, combining it with music. Like, what, how are you supposed to focus on anything else when this, like, this was happening? But anyways, it's definitely come full circle for me. And, and not only have I just, like, rediscovered setups that get me right into that feeling of, of that fun of skating, like that pure fun feeling of skating. But it's hit a new level now with like skating for 20 years plus digging for influence in skiing, which when I look at it, it's the stance is similar to skating. And now that I've skated long frames, I see how they look at their skis and some of those videos obviously if it's it's influenced by snowboarding it's influenced by skateboarding but they're also just there's just this what can we do with these two planks that are flexi attached to these boots that are super supportive and i look at ski videos and i get so many sometimes it's i have to stop edits and start writing shit down and then I go to the park and some stuff is like, well, I can do like the rollerblading interpretation of the ski trip trick. And then it's like, well, fuck, how long could a frame be? Um, and then like, what wheel profile could we use? Could, could, how hard could a wheel be on a big wheel frame? Could you skate super hard wheels on a hundred millimeter frame and and do butter type stuff on skis, but on skates. And like, then you learn a new skill, you like that toe slide that is basically Edwards did the toe tap and the toe slide, but on bigger wheels, you have a, like a, there's a surface area that if you kind of do a shifty and push your toes down, there's, that's a whole new thing. And it's just the early version of that. So it drives me nuts. I'll be walking to work and I'll think to myself, you know, you could toe slide and if you shifted your weight properly, you could almost go like spin or go from the toe slide into an alley-oop double toe roll to a forward toe slide. Anyways, this is, this is where I'm at. So I'm not going to, I don't want to podcast about all the, how, well, this podcast will be about it, but. Like, there's so much to experiment with for setups. There's so much to experiment with for tricks. Um, 
there's so many ideas to film there are so many edits to put out and that's that's just where I'm at right now and I think there's a lot been said about skating up to this podcast point there will be more said about skating in other podcasts after this but um it's just like a mark in skating history like the SSM thing and the create originals thing and the idea of people probably not getting paid for skating and it's like skating is dead in one form but it is the most alive it's ever been in another and that's kind of where I'm at I'm I'm not really mourning the old skating I'm looking at what the new skating is and I don't want to talk about it and I don't want to beat the dead horse about the old skating and I want to skate more um I have a note down here that I've owned a lot of skates. So some of the experiments that I've been stoked on that I really want to try are, okay, I have these written down. I want to try 100 millimeter wheels on the 110 Wizards. I want to try 90 millimeter wheels on the 100s. I want to get my hands on all the aggressive long frames that I can. I ordered uh, the Adapt frames in large and I'm still looking for a large pair of Volos for cheap and I'm looking for Kaiser Elements for cheap, the large size. If anybody knows where I can get those. I want to start experiment, experimenting with uh, rockered long aggressive frames. Um, and then what else do I have on here? Yeah, the, it's so fucked to think that I came from cuffless rems and short frames. I thought that that's, that was it. And, and now I'm on the complete opposite end of the spectrum. And now I'm discovering more from skating, more out of skating from a supportive boot and long frames at the rocker. It's so funny to think that like, if my logic about short frames was that they are maneuverable when all I needed to do was just have a long frame with a short, like with a rocker in the middle to have short frame field, but my skating just would have been more stable. I just didn't know. So I worry about like my logic in, in rollerblade setups, um, where that goes in life. And I have to, I have to try and be more logical because I have a creative mind that wanders really easily and is very overthinky, but I just have to remember to look at well, why does this person to choose, why does this person choose to do this thing this way? And maybe being stubborn, stubborn with how I think something is, um, has just been holding me back instead of opening me up to new places. It sounded really broad, but I mean, it, it was, I was skating cuffless rims with short frames and and I thought that was, that was like, that was it. And then I was skating rockered 80s in a non-UFS uh, free skating slalom boot with intuition liners. And I thought that, that was it. And I just have to remember to look to every possible place I can and be like, well, why is that person doing that? Why is that person doing that? Now I look at things like downhill skaters that have um, 
five. I swear there was a dude with a six wheel frame. Maybe it was a five wheel frame, but downhillers have like 80 millimeter uh, five wheel frames that are really long and they have that amazing stability for sliding around corners. And there's this thing, the longer you have a frame, um, you have this amazing lateral slide movement that, um, that with your edges, you can do really smooth transitions out of, you know how a cess slide is very jarring looking, like it's hard. It's not like you're gonna be cess sliding um, in one direction and then smoothly go into a car for a second and then cess slide another. In long, long frames, like in the 110s, there are so many possibilities about just what you could do with wheel slides and controlling your edges. Um, coming in and out of wheel slides. Oh, but that's another story. Um, but talking about uh, all the shit that I've tried, I remember I wrote down every single skate that I've owned and skated one time. It was a lot. I'll try and read it off one day if I, if I can find it. Um, it was... It must have been in the... 30 pairs probably more I in some of my darker times in skating I would go through uh, what I call a skate crisis and that's when you just couldn't settle like I, I would I would skate rims very um, very religiously cuffless rims but then there were certain models that weren't as good lower quality in the liner the way that the boot fit or the way that they laced up and then I would start straying and trying other things. I remember there was a stretch where I tried like uh, M12s and Jados. I even tried razors for like a day or two when they released the super light. Um, and then I'd try and V-cut, or I got Josh to V-cut my roses, and then I would go back to Jado, and then I would go back to Rems. And uh, oh yeah, and then there was a point during a skate crisis where um, I was doing, I got to do video work because I had a video company for uh, Mike Powell at K2, who I think he was doing, he may have been the marketing manager for skates. He did a lot of stuff there, but um, when I ran Joy Factory with Nathan, we got a contract to do the product videos for K2 skates. So I was able to get a pair of those red skates because regardless of how they looked it was still K2 I still wanted to try them um, and when I got them I cut off a bunch of stuff I got taught a pair too like there was a lot of stuff that we cut off um, and that was around the time where I tried uh, Celtic frames as well so I got those two things kind of around the same time and uh I remember they weren't like, they weren't, they weren't the best skates you had ever tried, but the funniest part was they were still more comfortable than any other skate at that point, which was really funny that it was still like, K2 was so off the radar. And to their credit, the Nemesis and the transfer, although we look back on that boot, as a fail boot because it was so giant. It was too big, it was so big. Everybody who had those skates 
say that they loved those skates. Like they were comfortable. They slid well. Um, Pat fucking Lennon in those skates. Holy shit. Um, like people still rocked it really hard in those skates. They were just too big. But what I'm saying is that, that people that had even those skates, even though we look back at those as, as like, um, it was a bad move for Kate to just, I think they lost track a little bit. They didn't have to make a skate that had a sole that was that giant, but that's where the market was going. So it's understandable, but I'm saying that people still look at those skates as good skates, even if they were a fail for K2 fans of like the King 55 and the style points and everything. But anyways, I remember skating, it was 2010, I remember skating the red skates and they were come, <laughs> they were red and they were super ugly, but they were comfortable, they had half sizes, they fit really well, the cuff was still amazing for top sides like that K2 flex, they were too, they, they lacked support was one thing. Um, and with the, the Caltic frames and that sole plate, although it was like a sole on top of a sole, that sole slid better than any other sole. It was like made out of the best material. It was the same as the uh, Nemesis and Transfer plastic. It was like what I was giving up for shit not sliding very well. Um, or wait, yeah. No, what I was giving up in height of sole, uh, they slid really well. Anyways, I look back like the we made edits in those skates and then we made compilation edits and then I look back and it was like, holy fuck, I actually did, like I skated pretty good in those skates. And then you think about it and it's like, well, yeah, they were comfortable. You could have them on for a long period of time. They slid well, they were light. Um, and then it was like, that's why I ended up always kind of going back to, there was no uh, conspiracy. I would work with K2 on product videos so I would get to like keep certain product that I had to film on like the spinny you know you have to film the product so I would I got the um the newer varsities which were slightly more supportive um they looked better there was a little bit more like protective material um around the boot they're they were a slightly improved version. Like the red ones were a lot more sloppy feeling support wise than the black ones. Cause I think Zamora came on board and helped uh, design those, make them look really good. Um, and the funny part was, so I always had, I would be skating rims. I think I may have skated Jados for a little bit. I would always have like a pair of, of varsities since 2010 that would hang out in my collection. And I'm always fucking around with setups, always. I would even just, I buy, I still buy like, I buy different wheels, I buy different frames, I've bought different boots. Um, I have like a, a huge stock of old style REMS plates in a drawer. I think I bought like all of the old REMS plates from E-Rolling because I was convinced at one point that um, that's what I was going to skate for the next while. So I like stockpiled old REMS boots and the old style soles. And if the skate apocalypse happens, maybe I'll have to, uh, maybe I'll be stuck skating those. The pre, the pre, <coughs> pre true balance REMS. 
But every once in a while, just for fun, like I always switch what I'm skating. The novelty of um, not being stuck to one setup for too long is really important for me to learn. I don't know, different. I love the experimenting, the feedback that you get from your feet and the way that a skate works. Um, yeah, I always went back to varsities once in a while. So there would be like <clears throat> aggressive edits where I would be in rims, but I would also be in varsities. And then I would also skate big wheels and then big wheels for a while, but we would still do box edits and I would skate the varsities because it'd be like comfortable, it slides well, we're just skating a box, it's light. That's what I'm skating. I, yeah, I would skate the, <clears throat> the, uh, the varsity with the Celtic. And it was a good fucking setup. And then it was always, you would go back to the varsities and be like, well, the, the sole on top of, like, they're a little bit unsupportive still. And that was a problem with the Il Capo as well. Um, I would have skated that more. I tried skating that, I think, once for filming for Big Wheels. And it was, um, you could, like, bend. You could, like, lean your foot. You could, like, stand in it and bend your foot completely over, even with, same with like the UFS fatty, like you could have the top buckle done up as tight as possible and still just bend it over. Like it just didn't support. So it would, it just wouldn't, the, the red ones were, the red and, and the gray ones, I think were a little bit better, but even then, while I was filming and following people, they felt a little bit unpredictable, like, if the skate flexes too much, it just feels like it just feels like it might do something you don't want it to do because it's like turning inward or something. So that was always with the varsity. Not that it skated bad. It still performed really well. And the funniest part is I always talked about how the varsity was underrated that although it had a sole on top of a sole, it was fucking like boot only. It was like 150 bucks. It was light, it slid well, it fit well, it was comfortable. I think, I think one thing that was always underrated was that if you were someone just going to a skate shop and you knew nothing about aggressive skating, you knew nothing about who the pros were or, uh, or what skates were good or anything, you could probably end up trying on a K2. This is probably for rec skates too. You know the name K2 through skiing and you could try it on in the store and it would feel good. And then the price, like even if you were ordering online, maybe you had a pair of K2s from back in the day and you knew that they were comfortable and they fit well. So the, the price mixed with the comfort and fit factor always worked to K2's advantage in my opinion, especially for aggressive skating for people who weren't sure if they wanted to do it or not, the, uh, the cost entry was really good. Um, and they didn't have a pro team because why would they need to if they produced decent enough skates at a decent price? It's like there's that idea of... Um, like there's not pro teams for recreational skates or speed skates, and those still sell. Like, it's so weird that there's that entitlement in aggressive skating. If aggressive skating was huge and skates were selling like hotcakes, 
then of course there would be a team. That's why there was a team back in the day for things. But I don't know. Why not just make a good product and focus on that? Anyways, that's a whole other thing. But it's really funny to think that um, that that there's like this child star syndrome with rollerblading that yes, people got paid really well back in the day, but rec skates were selling like hotcakes in the early to late 90s. Like rec skating sales were, was what supported the aggressive. And when those things weren't selling, like Solomon didn't just make aggressive skates. K2 just didn't make aggressive skates. Rollerblade just didn't make aggressive skates. The first shadows made by Solomon, Solomon was like, Solomon made fucking skis and snowblades and shit. Like, USD and power slide, USD is, is not, it's not a core rollerblading company that just makes aggressive skates. The people who skate for power slide, power slide also sells other shit. There is no company that is owned by just a skater that has a team of just hardcore aggressive skaters and they all aggressive skate and they just make their money on aggressive skates. There is no proof that you can have just an aggressive skate company and make money and sustain a team. It like SSM has proven that it's not possible unless someone wants to prove me wrong. I don't mean, I don't want to rant, but that's the truth. Like, or, or that is, I don't want to use the term truth, but it's not like if you have a ski company, you just make park skis. You make all kinds of skis and you have some people on a team that, that have, that, that use the park skis, but it's also because you sell lots of skis in other departments. Anyways, the long story short about that is that it was, is that K2 was underrated (laughs) because they didn't have like, they didn't have hot marketing and a hot team. They just had a low priced skate that performed pretty well for the price. And the things that always worked against the original K2 skates was the support. The fact that there was a sole on top of a sole, which wasn't, it wasn't that bad when you got used to it because if I'm not mistaken, there was a lot of other companies using sole on sole technology and other companies were using skin on boot technology, whereas K2 still had skin. There was this really crazy concept where the skin, instead of going over a boot, it went over your foot. So, um, they had that going for it too. Um, but one thing also, also that worked against K2 is you would take, and that always like discouraged me about people ordering their skates online is that the stock wheels and stock frames were really bad. Just like the Rose's uh, M12s came with really bad, like there are certain skates that you just, you would be better off ordering boot only because you would get it right away and there would be no reason for you to skate the stock frame. Volo, to their credit, really good stock frame. Um, and I think their stock wheels look pretty decent. So the idea of like somebody ordering 
a complete setup who has no reference point about what's good or bad for wheels, uh, the K2s would be like, especially on rougher pavement, they just, uh, the wheels felt like they're made out of uh, bubble gum is what I always like, especially in hot weather, it felt like you would, you could take a stride and they might slow down a little bit. Um, and the frames, the, they just, they weren't bad, but there's just no, same as the Rosa's M12 frames, there was just no thought put into them really. But I guess they didn't have to. There was no obligation to make the skates better. Um, but if you were ordering them online, you just wouldn't know to replace a better frame. And if you had no, it's, it would be so overwhelming. Like when I bought my ski gear, it was so fucking overwhelming um, to try and figure out what to buy. I had to ask so many questions. Skating is probably the same. So there's power to the companies that have like a good setup out of the box. I always think that Borbeski and Eisler were really smart for making their skate come stock with bigger wheels because um, they would have felt good out of the box for somebody who maybe didn't maybe didn't really want to do tricks, but maybe they were just getting introduced to going to a skate park. Maybe they have never skated at all in any setup before. So in that setup, it's going to feel really good when you roll around and then you might meet someone or you could start asking questions about like, what frame do I get next? Anyways, holy shit, that was long. Um, working with Powell and doing product videos for K2, it wasn't every year, it was like um, a couple times, a few times from 2010-ish to um, 2014. Didn't do them this year. I always wanted to, like I, I would, I'm sure anybody who knew Powell um, or had access to his email address would send long, uh, like long rants about the skates because everybody knew that there was um, so much potential there. Everybody had a fucking amazing pair of K2s back in the day. I don't like saying back in the day because it makes me sound like an OG blader. But um, everybody had a really good experience with a pair of K2s. Not only that, but K2 had amazing fucking ads. Um, they had a really solid string of ads. Um, like before, before On and Metamorphosis, um, like when they went to just the half page ads, obviously, cause skating started to decline. But before that, when they would just have a powerful, like full page picture with the K2 logo, just so badass and so many good pictures in daily bread. Like there were, I swear there were issues where like the skates were so good at one point style points with face wheels or King 55s that just a lot of people were skating K2 cause they made the best shit. So a lot of us have a history with K2 um, of like a really good pair of skates or a comfortable pair of skates. Um, like everything from face wheels, just the idea that the people were using Cosmo wheels or their riders may have been using Cosmo wheels and they were like, oh fuck, well we should just make our own Cosmo wheels and their face wheels. And to this day, <laughs> we're still skating those wheels cause they're so good and we bought them in bulk. But anyways, 
So I'm sure Mike Powell got inundated. I was one of the people um, just like about getting the skates back to that, something like that, you know? I'm sure there was a lot of that. And, and I still skated. I dabbled in the varsity and I dabbled a little bit. The fatty especially was just not supportive enough for me. And then you look at people like Eric Garcia who just skated K2s the whole way through and you look at his, uh, his style and what he did on them. Uh, he's like a master of K2s. Um, but they were always like under the radar, uh, underrated and definitely like obviously not appreciated because they didn't have a team. Um, so I always like wanted to meet or talk to an engineer or meet one of the engineers, like just get a little bit of time and just find out from somebody why, why the skates are made this way or could they be made this way? And, uh, I tried, I think I was like overly passionate, like probably a lot of us are and and it just, nothing ever came of it. And then it was in the middle of this winter, um, I got a message from Powell that introduced me to an engineer named Ray that I thought I was being trolled at first. I thought that someone was fucking with me because I got a message that they were working on some new stuff and it was <laughs> everything that I had listed like talking prior to this um, the varsity was comfortable but it needed more support um, the soul was on top of a soul it needed to just have one like a one one soul like one piece that was bonded like like a like an update like a mix between um, the old soul, like a varsity soul mixed with an old style soul. And the, the frames weren't very good. The UFS frames, that, like the stock frames that came on K2 weren't very good. So I got this message, we're working on a few new things for aggressive. Uh, new, new bases, um, stiffer upper, and new UFS frame. Nothing, it was awesome because the dimension was nothing special. And I thought that someone was fucking with me, so I think I messaged back and I was very surprised. I, I don't, can't remember if they said anything about Teflon at that point, but um, it was amazing that it was somebody who knew, like, it was somebody who knew all of the things that anybody would have said, like, oh, I don't want to skate the varsity because of this. And also, uh, K2, what made K2s really good before was this. All of those things were kind of, like, hinted at in this, in this message. And then some emails started going back and forth. Um, turned out I was not being trolled. It was real. And... Uh, I got, uh, I ended up getting an upper sample with an old, I like, this was so exciting, but it was a, it was like a camel colored, uh, varsity sole. The engineer had bolted in, bolted it in 
um, four points um, onto the new upper. And I got these boots. I saw a picture of them first. There was a picture sent. And what was so funny about the picture was that it was, it was kind of like close to what I was wanting for a big wheel setup too. And I came, like I, I didn't, I came on board later after um, this skate was already being developed, but it was so funny when I saw the picture of the height, like how it was a tall, it was a tall liner skate with lacing all the way up. It had a Velcro strap, kind of like a booster strap on a ski boot, but a smaller version. And that it was gonna have, eventually, it was just the upper that I tried, but it was gonna have all of the fucking improvements, pardon my French, that I wanted on the Varsity. Plus, it was UFS, and it looked like it would have skated decent with the Wizards, but I wasn't sure because you look at the picture and it's like, well, how, how much more support could the boot have? So I got these first samples and uh, it, I put them on with the GC Bigs because the Varsity sole doesn't have nubs, so they fit on perfectly. And there's pictures on Instagram from way back, like in the wintertime. And there's a few people who questioned what boots they were, but the pictures were so far away that you couldn't really tell. Um, cause it was like the upper was the first, like it was the first unnatural upper, probably not the first, maybe it was like the second or the third, how I said I came later into the mix. Um, but I remember putting them on and being like, holy fuck. <laughs> they were like, uh, they were shockingly supportive more so than than what I was used to which was a good thing though because I was kind of going more in that direction but it was insane like even that top velcro strap um it does it does a lot like the laces all the way up the boot and the velcro strap you can crank those to the point where you have especially when they're new like no forward flex and they're insane for um like bowl or mini ramp or half pipe if you want to like just crank the forward or the yeah the strap and the laces but there's a lot of like uh there was a lot of options on how you could do it like you don't have to lace them up the whole way and you don't have to do that strap up but I was just like shocked at how supportive they were and I love the height of the the liner and uh and the lacing up at the top um and it felt so weird to be on aggressive skates like that because it was so counter to what, like, rams and everything up to that point. But because of Wizards and the Seba boot, I had been into, like, lacing that shit super tight at the top um, and uh, doing the cuff up as tight as possible. I still can't get that Seba cuff as tight as I want it. It feels like it doesn't go as tight. But anyways, that that set up influence how this one how my interpretation of it anyways so that was oh and the other thing is like <laughs> if you get an email to try a prototype for a skate who who who's gonna say no like well um you know 
you guys haven't had a team and you haven't supported any events and if the soul's not replaceable, I don't want to skate the skates. Maybe some people would say that, but that, <laughs> of course I'll skate the fucking skates. Who wouldn't want to try like a slightly improved K2 model? And I love that in the original email, it's nothing special. It was like, here are the improvements to the boot, doing some new stuff for aggressive. It's nothing special. It's not, it was not like, it wasn't overly intense or anything. So yes, of course, I'll try the new stuff. Um, yeah, so they, they skated really well, even with the varsity sole bolted in. It had like four bolts. I'm gonna write an article about, like I'll take pictures of everything that I tried. Um, so that was the first one that I got. And then what was really exciting is I got to see the, like, the plan for the new base. And when I saw the Teflon soles, it's, it's weird. The, the Teflon soles, there is so much history for some of us to see those little squares beneath the feet in pictures and video and stuff. It looks, it looks really good still. But when I first got to skate them, I got, a, I got to skate the front street. Um, they slide really fast. They slide really fast and really nice. And the actual, like the sole material, it's almost like that. It's like the varsity kind of like, it's like a really hard plastic mixed with the Teflon. Um, I'm not gonna lie, I had a new appreciation for the way grinding felt because it slid fast like the varsity, but then it was right underneath your foot it felt so good and then you realize why like there's so many old pictures of people doing really stylish solid grinds in k2s because the sole wasn't like overly giant and it felt nice and close to your foot so i actually felt like i was good at grinding again i was never amazing at grinding it's not really i i'm not i'm not a huge grinder but to have something really close to your foot that slides well. Um, and it's not held in by two bolts, so you don't get that flexy sole feeling. I don't care if it's not replaceable. I skate so much park, I'm not gonna be sliding um, a 50 stair chunk ledge on the street. I'm sure a lot of people aren't going to be as well. If you are, there's, a, there's definitely setups for you where uh, you can replace your sole um, I imagine a lot of the people that are going to buy a K2 skate, they probably skate park quite a bit. And if they do skate street, it would be like a really nice ledge spot that is going to be worn in. Like even just the idea at like, I'm never, I, I'm not, I'm not going to go rub brick a new ledge. I'm not. I've never been a huge ledge skater. I'm sure a lot of people aren't. And the people that are, there's other setups for them. The replaceable sole thing, that's like, it skates, it skates so good that it's attached to the boot. Um, and it slides really well. And it wears really slow, especially if you, if you skate lots of park. Like, in another story about replaceable soles, the two fucking times 
in the past decade that I needed to order replaceable soles, they weren't available. Thank you, rollerblading industry. Thank you, Jado, for for that time when um, there were just no replaceable soles available. Thank you. Thank you, Solomon Arrow Jados. And also, uh, thank you, Roses, for um, Majestic 12's like face the music era. I had I had a set of uh, spray painted Ollie shorts, and um, there were no replacement soles available in in North America. I may have even tried Europe. I may have tried to go that far. So thank you. Um, the skates that I did have that the soles needed to be replaced, they weren't available, and that was rare for me to have to replace soles. Rems was always really good. Razor's always really good. So if you do want to get a print if you do want to get a brand uh for replaceable parts uh rems and razors in my knowledge have both been really good with having well-stocked parts probably seba too i would say um it got a little dark there in north america for a while when i i went to go buy um some soles for sieges replaceable soles are just like they're not it's a great uh idea but like how many, there's not a lot of shops and the stock sometimes isn't very good. So figure it out if you do want a replaceable sole. But my point being, there's some skates that your sole is held on by two fucking bolts. Pardon my swearing. And you can feel it flex beneath your foot. Um, so to have like a really good base feeling, I'm sure the shadow. 2.0 I never got to try it but I'm sure that base feels pretty good too the way it's attached to the skate um, but funny part is I can imagine a lot of shadow skaters uh, as long as they're Lucy quiet quiet hey Imagine a lot of shadow skaters uh, transitioning to this because it's uh, it's a simplified shadow. I I never really realized that the K2 was pretty much like a shadow, but you just can't take the shoe out. Like it had a really nice base underneath a comfortable shoe and a flexible cuff that was attached to the base. If that makes any sense. I hope that makes sense. Um, One thing about the support that was weird at first, that turned out to be amazing, and um, it was the idea of like, I hadn't been a big support person for skates, like a supportive skate, it always felt restrictive. And then I realized like, holy shit, you can actually hold your grinds for longer. This isn't just a K2 thing, this is just, the idea of a supportive skate that I realized that grinding felt better when your skate was, especially the higher, like, like, uh, if it's supportive higher up, there's like energy that, uh, like the forward flex, if there's too much forward flex and your ankles rolling around too much, you have to have really strong ankles to make grinding work and the balance is different. Whereas like holding a topsail, if you have, um, really nice support, and like a higher, those Shimas were a really good example. I just wish they would have had like a Velcro on the top, but like 
like a high liner. Feels really good now for grinding. That's just a side note. Um, so yeah, like the support. It's mix like mix like support with really good sliding materials. Grinding becomes fun again. It it felt like I wanted to grind again. That it took like <laughs> it took like a better aggressive skate for me to appreciate aggressive skating again. Um, because I was always in setup turmoil. You can even see it with Todd when he switched from those the blue shadows to there's like the box edit where he's skating in the K2s. He was like lacing everything. There was it was just really solid, solid and together. Um anyways. So that's there was a second version. There was the first version with like experimental varsity soles bolted in the bottom and then there was the version that there was the article that came out for super cool blading uh jake ellie 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 jake from loco skates did did the uh the post which was the controversy started to happen the k2 controversy we don't need them man <laughs> We don't need K2 in our sport, man. <laughs> what is the problem with improving a skate that uh, that was fairly cheap and comfortable, like like cheap, comfortable, light, and slid well, and people who wanted to get into skating could buy at a low cost? There's nothing bad about that. So if they're improving that and still keeping the cost low, um yeah, I don't see and and it's not like there there was people who were like they're just going to come in and make a quick buck. Who is making a quick buck right now off of skating? I would like to know because if if there's people making quick bucks, um I sure I don't I haven't heard of any of them. I think there's almost too many skate companies right now. Like I we don't need as many skate companies as we have, and I'm sure not all the skate companies are selling skates uh, very well. So, if anything, it's good that K2 decided to improve their skates. Anywho, so there was that article from the Super Cool Blading article, and that was the, there was the experimental version with the varsity plate and then I got the version that was would have been in the super cool blading version and then from there there were some changes that he would have talked about in the article a couple things that I would have wanted changed to and there was a few other people testing the skates um and that was all like we were there was a few people trying them but there were no pictures obviously could be posted or anything like that and then like I think it was the article and Todd skating his the box. And I posted a picture where I had like skates blacked out. I was skating the front street there. So it was still like winter. Um but the list of things on that version, there's two versions that you'll see. I think like Aggressive Mall just posted they got some and 90s skate crew on Instagram got a pair, got a pair of like the Canadian samples. And the sample is 
the buckle isn't as good, like the buckle receptor isn't as good, the tongue's not as good, um, the lining isn't as good, um, there's an extra uh, eyelet was added, the lace throat was widened, the groove on the frame is shallower now and way better. Um, Think, oh, the plastic is more streamlined. Like if you look at Dave Lang's, that's like the most recent version compared to Gresmo. Like a really big thing that um, that I noticed on the on the first version is that I said there was too much like the plastic um, around the back backside plate. You'll see, I think the aggressive mall ones and the 90 skate crew ones is like there's this bulbous kind of like a round uh, shape above the backside plate. And if you look at Dave Lang's, it's like a nice streamline like the plastic was cut uh, there's no more two lines on the the rubber um, and then if you see the newer there's like newer pictures of the black frames it's like a shallow we're on like a shallower groove um, the frame on the older versions wasn't symmetrical it can only be one way and now you can flip it and if you skate at a lot of park and want that badass metal grinding sound there's a big person who helped with the skate uh, as a vert skater. And so there's, um, like, that's one of the reasons why the skate feels freaking amazing in bulls. Even though I'm not a huge uh, bull person, just to be able to, like, the forward flex, um, to be able to crank that strap for transition. Um, like, you can crank that shit super tight around your ankle um but yeah you have the option of flipping it around to grind on metal and it's the one bolt system so you don't have to worry about um no, not the one bolt but the one allen key system and then the yeah the the frame wasn't able to flip before um and what else i think that's yeah there's an extra eyelet lace throats wider the it looks more streamlined the liner's better, the tongue's fatter on the newer one. So like even some of the pictures that you see and the super cool blading article, um, there's been a fuck ton. There's been a lot of improvements. Um, and it's a testament to like kind of what made K2 awesome back in the day is they would do R&D on stuff and then make another prototype and then make another prototype and it's so cool that that spirit has come back and so like I said it's it's just a big improvement on the varsity it's not like people are jumping to conclusions all over the place and it's just K2 deciding to make a better skate and they made a pretty good skate before just not a lot of people paid attention to it um, because of probably, probably because of the team thing. It's funny how, how much like, is marketing that important? Because like I said, I don't know. I just, for me, it's not that important. I just, if, the, if something skates really good and it's comfortable and slides well, um, that's pretty important for me. So, um, Take it or leave it. And if you, yeah, if you want a replaceable sole, there's plenty of options right there. And, and stock frames too. Like, stock frames weren't even good 
apart from the volo frame, but not a lot of people skated those just because, again, things that are cool and marketed and I'm losing my train of thought. But that's, uh, that's my long, where am I at for time? Is it still recording? Oh, yeah, it is. That's my long, that hopefully I'll do a more simplified version in article form, but that's my experience with the new uh, K2 skates. And um, it's been really awesome. Like it's the first time um, in skating for anything where someone's actually like, making changes to stuff and uh, it's cool to skate different versions of something. And the new one, the newest boot is really good for what the price is gonna be. And the wheels are gonna be improved too. So out of the box, and you can rocker the frames too. Pretty awesome. I know I'm missing stuff, but those are all the notes that I had written down. Um, the mushroom blading series is complete. Another reason to podcast less and, uh, and start a new video series. I thought for some reason, I thought that Big Wheels 3 was the, because the original idea was to make 10 mushroom bladings. And I thought that Big Wheels 3 was the end of the series. And then I recounted, and I realized uh, Zone was the end of the series. That counted as the 10th mushroom blading video. And I was so, um, I was so attached to the idea of making a Big Wheels 3 that it was kind of affecting what the outcome of what a video could have been for me. So like, if you're focused so hard on making this one, like gotta make Big Wheels 3, gotta make Big Wheels 3, Big Wheels 3, Big Wheels 3, we gotta film more for Big Wheels 3. It was such a limiting idea to be locked into, like it would have been too, uh, this would have been too predictable to just make a Big Wheels 3. Making all those like wizard frame testing edits and it, that was basically almost like people would have been big wheels out. I would have been big wheels out. It was fun like starting to make little park edits on, on grinder blades and uh, <clears throat> it was extra fun thinking about making videos where, or edits where uh, all like there was not locked down to any style of skating or type of setup and the idea of it like prove yourself too was the best because it had um i love that it had it had like taylor was in it josh was in it and it was so awesome to like switch between big wheels and grinding and the the diversity of styles and skating was really good in that video so i wanted to do more of that and and i sent this giant fucking email to Sorry if I'm swearing a lot in this one. I sent this giant email to 
Leon and Todd and Stuart and Colin about content and Big Wheels 3. And um, maybe I'll read it on a future podcast or read or read points of it. But I just talked about how like there shouldn't be a Big Wheels 3 because I'm too attached to the idea and the final product of Big Wheels 3 instead of the idea like wizard frame testing was so fun because it was open every time you went out that you filming was more open and and you didn't overthink about skating for something skating for like a like when you when you were out trying to film for big wheels three it just felt it just felt too attached to uh something it it felt too attached to an endpoint whereas if you bring two pairs of skates and you're filming for something much different that you don't really know what it is. It's more open, just like skating feels right now. Just like content feels right now. Content's so open. It's funny that that you could release the greatest edit that anybody has ever seen in the history of skating in the world. Lucy, Lucy. But if it's five minutes, a lot of people wouldn't watch it. But if you post highlights of it for 15 seconds on Instagram, <laughs> so many people will see it. And that's not the outcome of content. The outcome is is more the process of making the content. Is what Lucy. Lucy. Quiet. The process of making the content is what I always love. And some of my favorite videos and edits have been where it's not attached to the outcome of what it should be like. It's, it's a process of something. The process of doing it and it being open and not locked down to anything. I was gonna, oh man, this podcast would have been too long. I was gonna talk about I was gonna go through the uh, mushroom blading series from uh, after Better Than Baseball to Suck at Big Wheels because that's what happened. That idea of like, let's just dump everything we've filmed and make something out of it. Like, I wanna just make an edit. Let's not make a Big Wheels 3 and let's start something new. And that's where we had the conversation of, well, wizard frame testing was super fun because you could make an edit out of a session and you weren't locked into filming good tricks. You could just, you could film something simple and it fit into whatever you were making. So the idea of making a new series of like when we go of anything, it's like, a new series of, it could be short videos, longer videos, and let's make a whole bunch of them. And we can't, we tried to do, think of a bunch of different names. And then uh, finally, I think I was walking to work and how to be unpopular made the most sense because that's what the podcast is called. That's what the first 
the the video how to be unpopular like the original video from 2001 we weren't planning on making a video we were just filming a lot and that's how that video happened it was called how to be unpopular and we weren't planning on making a video so the spirit of that with the podcast being very open and not locked down and very loose um it's perfect to call the series that, but then uh, graphically it looked better as eight H T B U, and then there's a number, so it's easier to find it, and then a subtitle uh, because wizard frame testing like the numbers. Stuart said it was really hard to like remember which one was which, so the subtitles is a way of when there's like a hundred or two hundred or three hundred of them, it'll be easier to hopefully search for for them. But it also just reflects that that the skating is is wide open and I want I love the idea of like why not just put a really nice backside on coping in a bowl in an edit where there's also wheel slides on a bank with big wheels. Like that that's so exciting to me. And constantly using different songs and trying different filming and filming on my phone and filming with different cameras and even bringing like three pairs of skates to a session. Maybe one of the edits will be in roller skates. I don't, it'll be, it's not locked down to anything because skating's just wide open. Um, and then also the, this like, I was overly excited to this, Relates to podcasting. It was like overly excited about the internet at one point, about sharing and making stuff and putting it out, which is still great. But I love the idea of maybe focusing on what I like to do the most and doing more of that. And I feel like uh, skating and trying new ideas on skates and filming and putting stuff out is the most exciting thing to me out of all the stuff you could do. Still, because of the nine to five job, I end up uh, doing a lot of posting on Facebook and Instagram. I'd love to get away with that or get away from that. Um, but the way work is, I have to be on Facebook. For, maybe I don't. Maybe I could take a break from that too. But I want to do more of what I really like with skating and get away from uh, beating the dead horse of the old skating and focusing more on what I imagine the new skating to be, if that makes any sense. To pull back from the excitement of oversharing everything on the internet. There's a really funny uh, part in a podcast where uh, comedians are starting to call regular con conversations on recorded podcasts. I thought that was really funny <laughs> because uh, I love the idea of, of even within skating, hanging out or talking to people unrecorded and it doesn't have to be a podcast. So I'm open to having conversations that aren't podcasts as well, just so you know. And uh, I think that's it. Thank you for listening, and I'll probably see you in, let's see, 
maybe half a year, maybe less than that, in podcast form, that is. I'll be available in other forms. I don't want to have to reply to everything, though, but what can you do? Thank you, and good night.